Oh 
6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
you
set the long night free Before the archers shot their miss Before the angels found their bliss He looked inside, see what would be Only then came you and me
JM in the AM. Oh, yeah. Friday morning broadcast on this March 24th, day 26 in the month of Adar, the year 5777. Tough Shanayin It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Vayakel, and Pekude. We are going to close out the book of Shmos. We also have Parshas HaChodesh tomorrow. So we take out two Torahs and we get ready for a really big Shabbos, to say the least. Uh, you heard the uh, Yaakov Shweki selection, Kamu Vaneha. Torah done by Eighth Day. That's uh, by request off the brand new Slow Down album. It was great having uh, Shmuel from Eighth Day in the studio yesterday. Hatov, that's Miami. Mimkomcha done by the great Rupshlom Kalbach. Avremo with Hinenibiyotcha. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Erev Shabbos, as I said, two Torahs. We have Vayakel Pekude and Parshas HaChodesh with candle lighting at, <coughs> excuse me, at 6.53 on this Erev Shabbos. 6.53, candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos. Yeah, it's later than you're used to, right? Well, truth is, last week already in the United States, we had daylight saving time. In Israel, it's a new thing. Just started early this morning. So now there is a seven-hour time difference between the eastern seaboard, eastern time zone, and Israel. Back to seven hours. And again, 6.53 over here will be candlelighting time, which means our Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix is going to go on for a long time today. You have an opportunity to play that thing and just uh, enjoy it all through the day. Rosh Chodesh, we bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nissan will be on Tuesday, 35 degrees outside with 55% humidity. Winds are south at 7 miles an hour. Cloudy today with a high of 57, not bad. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 49 Tomorrow, some afternoon showers on Shabbos with a high of 61. We're at 60 in Yerushalayim, 35 here in New York City. You know, um, I looked at the uh, at the forecast. We got some rain coming in this area. Yeah, April showers, I guess, a drop early. Um, I think on, if I'm not mistaken, it was Sunday and Monday and Tuesday at the minimum, maybe even further than that, uh, expecting rain. But anyway, that's the story with that. JM in the AM Friday, thanks for tuning in. Last Shabbos, we had the opportunity of being with Ohad and his family, as I mentioned, at the bar mitzvah of um, Yair Mushkovitz. And it was just a spectacular celebration. I've described it multiple times this week. The incredible davening, the wonderful singing, the Zmiros, the, uh, the fantastic camaraderie and, uh, and, and how wonderful it was spending time with both families, both Ohad's family and Leah's family together very very distinguished people and um along with the uh, along with the you know me being there and representing my family in the Nahum Siegel network Aaron Teitelbaum who I have the pleasure of working with on a regular basis was there he and Ohad as many of you know are, are as close as brothers and um it, it was just it was wonderful absolutely wonderful being there with him and celebrating the big celebration and uh, I, I mentioned to I mentioned on more than one occasion uh, during this week that it was such a delight to spend Shabbos with him, such a delight to be there uh, in Israel, in Modi'in, sit next to him in Shul or in Sheol, as he sometimes says, and to uh, participate in the wonderful meals and the uh, great friendship uh, that we shared with so many people that were there. So big shout-out to Aaron Teitelbaum. Uh, it was uh, not only great to be at the Bar Mitzvah last Shabbos in Israel and celebrate with Ohad and the entire family, uh, but it was extra special being there 
uh, with him and uh, bringing that message of Mazel Tov all the way from the USA. So uh, a special shout-out to Aaron Teitelbaum, who I had the pleasure of working with actually last night with the Aaron Teitelbaum Orchestra at the beautiful wedding up at the uh, Double Tree Hilton in Tarrytown. Uh, so I give him a special shout-out on this era of Shabbos here at JM in the AM. Plenty more coming up. If you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network, I remind you, Sunday, Manischewitz presents our incredible presentation under the leadership of Elliot Weiselberg, our sports editor of the Yeshiva League Basketball Championships. It all happens Sunday afternoon. There's only one place you can watch it on our home screen, on our home page at NahumSiegel.com.
Oh, 
J.M. in the A.M. with Yehuda Green. Birchas HaChodesh as we get ready for Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which will be on Tuesday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Again, a one-day Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is on Tuesday. Before that, you heard his Vachol Misha Oskim. Uh, Leif Tahar had Birchas HaChodesh. That is a great tune off of Leif Tahar, Volume 5. Dafyomi had pointed that out on the app, how great a song that is, and it really is amazing selection. Uh, you heard Avram Rosenblum with Asper in there with Nachon B. And we continue on a Friday morning. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Vayakel, and Pekude, plus Parshas Achodesh. Candle lighting at 6.53 in the New York area. Make sure you know when candle lighting is where you are. Daylight savings time now in Israel, so a seven-hour difference between the Eastern time zone and the uh, state of Israel. A seven-hour difference again. Keep that in mind. That's always helpful for people to know exactly uh, how much time there is between the... Uh, the two places, so now it's a seven-hour difference. 35 degrees, cloudy with a high of 57, not bad. Got some rain in the forecast for tomorrow for Shabbos, but temperature near 60 degrees. So that'll be pretty good. Uh, more coming up. It's JM in the AM, five minutes before the hour. At the top of the hour, news from Israel and plenty more, including our weekly update with Malcolm Honline in the 7 o'clock hour, Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour, and plenty more all through the day on our amazing and incredible network, including the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix. That's going to happen all day long, all the way until candlelighting time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
JM in the AM with Tovla Hodas, David Gabe off of Shirei Pinchas, volume number two. And this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com. On the NachumSegal Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galit's on the background with our news from Israel coming up. Israel is now uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know. Seven-hour difference after last night's uh, switch in Israel's daylight saving time. I should have taken that into account that it was on uh, standard time earlier this week that uh, prevented me from actually getting to the radio studio because the flight landed an hour later than usual. Yeah, that's how it works. Don't forget, the only place you can watch all the Yeshiva League championships in basketball this coming Sunday is NahumSiegel.com. When you go to NahumSiegel.com Sunday afternoon, it'll be a Manischewitz presentation of the Yeshiva League Basketball Championships, both Junior Varsity and Varsity. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, we've got it. Elliot Weiselberg is going to be coordinating the entire thing, and you'll hear him on the broadcast. He is the chief sports editor right here at the uh, Nahum Siegel Network, and uh, the season comes to a crescendo with the Manischewitz presentation of the Yeshiva League Championships from the Max Stern Athletic Center at Yeshiva University this coming Sunday afternoon. Make sure to be tuned in and tell all your friends around the world they can watch it. They can actually watch the game and participate by um, heading to our homepage at NahumSiegel.com. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן אהוד גרף עם מה שקורה עכשיו. נשיא מצרים לשעבר חוסני מוברק שוחרר ממאסר לראשונה מאז המהפכה בה את השלטון במדינה. כתבתנו מיכל צ'ין. נשיא מצרים לשעבר חוסני מוברק שוחרר היום ממאסר שש שנים אחרי שהודח, כך מסר סניגורו פריד אדיב. מוברק זוכה באחרונה מאשמה חמורה של רצח מפגינים במהומות שגרמו לפרישתו מהתפקיד ב-2011. ראש הרשות הפלסטינית אבו מאזן אומר כי מחצית מעמו הם פליטים והמחצית השנייה חיים במה שהגדיר כלא גדול. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. מחצית מבני עמנו כבר 50 שנה חיים תחת כיבוש צבאי ישראלי. כך ראש הרשות בהרצאה שנתן אמש באקדמיית קונרד אדנאואר בברלין. לדבריו, העם הפלסטיני הוא המשכו של העם הכנעני שחי באזור לפני 3,500 שנה. על האדמה הזו נולדה החברה החקלאית הראשונה בהיסטוריה, וזה קרה ביריחו. כך אבו מאזן. הקטל בדרכים. בתאונה בין רכב פרטי לבין משאית בכביש מספר 4, סמוך לצומת עד הלום, נהרגה אישה כבת 70. גבר כבן 70 נפצע קשה. צוותים של מגן דוד אדום קבעו את מותה של האישה בזירת התאונה, ופינו את הגבר לבית החולים קפלן ברחובות, כשהוא סובל מחבלות בבטן ובחזה. המשטרה פתחה בבדיקה. בתאונה בכביש 431, סמוך למודיעין, נפצע קשה צעיר בן 18 ובן 17 נפצע בינוני. מחקירה הראשונה של האירוע עולה כי הרכב בו נסעו השניים התנגש בגדר. הם פונו לבית החולים שיבא בתל השומר. משטרת בריטניה עצרה שני חשודים נוספים במעורבות בפיגוע הדריסה בלונדון. כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. קצין בכיר במשטרת בריטניה הודיע כי עד כה נעצרו תשעה בני אדם בסך הכל וכי חקירת הפיגוע נמשכת. אמש פורסם כי שמו של החשוד הוא חליד מסעוד, יליד בריטניה שהתאסלם ושינה את שמו הקודם, אדריאן ראסל. 
בפיגוע סמוך לפרלמנט הבריטי נרצחו שלושה אזרחים ושוטר. צרפת הודיעה כי בימים הקרובים יחל הקרב לשחרור העיר ראקה בסוריה, הנחשבת לבירת ארגון דאעש. כתבתנו יערה אגמי חורי. זה הולך להיות קרב קשה, אבל חשוב ביותר, אמר שר ההגנה הצרפתי על שחרור ראקה, בירת ארגון דאעש בצפון סוריה, והוסיף, היום העיר כבר מוקפת מכל הכיוונים, ועל כן נתחיל לנסות להשתלט עליה בימים הקרובים. מוקדם יותר השבוע הודיע משרד ההגנה בוושינגטון כי גם הוא תקף באזור את כוחות ארגון המדינה האסלאמי. תחזית מזג האוויר, מחר צפויה עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות ויהיה בהיר. בראשון ובשני עוד התחממות. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב. בצוות רון לביוד ויואב כהן.
There you go. Jam in the AM with Lipa and Yitzchak Fuchs and a great song called Hallelujah. Uh, before that, you heard the um, Michal Przanski selection, Ain't Ode Milvado. David Perlman, Adon Alum, opening up the 7 o'clock hour. Friday morning broadcast, it's Jam in the AM. Don't forget, we've got the um, Yeshiva League Basketball Championships at NachumSiegel.com, presented by Manischewitz. It's coming Sunday. You'll be able to see the uh, JV and the Varsity Championships Sunday afternoon. Shout out to Elliot Weiselberg and the entire staff on our sports department. Erev Shabbos, Vayakel and Pekude, plus Parshas Achodesh, Candlelighting in New York, 653. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Nissan will be on Tuesday. Israel now on Daylight Savings Time, so we've got a uh, seven-hour difference again between uh, the New York City area and the state of Israel. Hey, I want to remind everybody about the Young Israel of Teaneck. Many of you each year uh, take advantage and enjoy... The um, Shabbat Chazanut that's uh, put together in uh, memory of Joseph Dresner. It is uh, dedicated by the Pultman family in Teaneck, New Jersey. The Young Israel of Teaneck is the place. Cantor Natanel Hirschdick and his choir, they'll be there tonight. They'll be there tomorrow. Young Israel of Teaneck, uh, ready to uh, inspire everybody during the Shabbat Chazanut on Parsha Chodesh. So enjoy, and a special shout-out to the Pultman family, who again have dedicated the Shabbat again in memory of Joseph Dresner. And um, Natanel Hirschdick, uh, the great cantor, and his choir are ready to inspire. The Young Israel of Teaneck, that starts tonight. Shabbat Chazanut. Enjoy, everybody. It is always a very, very special presentation. On our app, someone tells us about a, uh, a project that's going on. I uh, would love to tell you and your listeners about an amazing project that launched this week uh, out of Yad Binyamin. The website is lekidoshim.com, L-E-K-E. D-O-S-H-I-M.com. You learn the entire Shas on Yom HaZikaron in honor of our fallen soldiers and brothers and sisters. Everyone's welcome to sign up for Dapim on the website as well as in groups. Hatzlachat to all. Thank you, Devorah, for sending that to us via the app. Again, it's Lekidoshim, L-E-K-E-D-O-S-H-I-M.com. The entire Shas to be studied at Yom HaZikaron in memory of our fallen soldiers, our brothers and sisters. That is a nice project plenty more coming up including the weekly update it's friday it's erev shabbos and of course you're listening to jm in the am Bitte, 
Beloved 
You heard Kapayim brand new from 8th Day. Hari Bone was Kol Ish. You heard the Maccabees in there with Lachadodi. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos by Yakel and Pekude as we close out the book of Shmos. Also Parshas Achodesh with candle lighting at 6.53 here in New York. 
Well, Bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nissan will be on Tuesday. Seven-hour time difference between us here and uh, the state of Israel now, as Israel is back on daylight saving time. Leif Tahar in the background. Weekly update coming up. Plenty happening here on a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Reminder, this coming Sunday, Manashevitz presents our coverage of the Yeshiva League Basketball Championship Sunday afternoon exclusively on our homepage. You can watch all of it at NahumSiegel.com.
J.M. in the A.M. with Leif Tahar. J.M. the A.M. Friday morning on the serve Shabbos Parshas Vayakel and Pekude. Parshas Chodesh as well. Candle lighting at 6.53 here in New York. Well, Bench Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Nissan will be on Tuesday. Israel now on daylight savings time. It is a seven-hour difference between the New York area, or the eastern time zone, I should say, and the state of Israel. So keep that in mind as you make contact with people in the Holy Land before Shabbat. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible network to their readers, hundreds of thousands of readers. Uh, we've always declared that you can use the opportunity of heading to JewishWorldReview.com to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world. Take advantage, and we thank them. Also, our friends at OnlySimplis.com who have um, incorporated a lot of our material and content into the um, into their regular news feed. Not only their Simcha news, but their regular news feed that concentrates on a lot of great things going on in the Jewish world. Uh, check it out. Go to OnlySimchas.com. Again, OnlySimchas.com and see what they have to offer on a daily basis. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update Fridays here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honeline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Oh, thank you. It's good to be with you again. I appreciate that. It was nice speaking to you last week while I was in Jerusalem. And as you always point out, there is something extra special and beautiful about the holy city of Jerusalem and being in Israel. And I hope, I hope that everybody takes advantage of the opportunity to be part of the big celebration coming up on May the 24th when the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. My gosh, do I feel old! The 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem is going to be happening, the big celebration on the 24th of May. And I know you encourage, you continue to encourage people from around the world who are not necessarily regularly in Israel to try to set aside a couple of days during that week to be there as well. Absolutely. And there's so many wonderful things being planned. It's wonderful at any time, but this is especially significant, and there will be a week-long celebration, and those who can come a few days earlier, I think there will be more but especially the Mizrahi, World Mizrahi Movement, uh, bringing people from all over the world and uh, others who, who will be joining. I think it will be very uh, memorable and exceptional. Uh, by the way, everybody, there's a site with all the information, Mizrahi.org slash YY50, YY for Yom Yerushalayim, Mizrahi.org slash YY50. And speaking of travel, before we get into the news of the day, uh, you and your family have made an adjustment. What are your plans now? How do people join you if they want to spend Pesach, if they want to spend Passover with you and your family? Well, uh, we're looking forward very much to being at the Pardes Pesach program in Mission Hills in San Diego. It's a wonderful program with uh, really exceptional uh, people coming to speak and participating, and I'm really very pleased to be able to be there. All right. Be, try not during your lectures. Try not to frighten people too much. They want to, you know, afterwards they want to go to sleep, rest a little bit. You don't want to get, get all tense and on edge about this. No, I put them to sleep right away <laughs> during the speech, so it's okay. Oh, is, I make sure that they sleep well. Is that how it works? I was I was under the impression that you you strike so much fear about what's happening in this world. I never strike fear. I tell the truth. That's all. But I I will tell you, uh, uh, as a rule, you know, I think that that uh, myth because. 
sometimes people are unaware, and when they hear what's going on, it sometimes can be surprising. But I think that there's a lot of good news in the world. I saw it this week myself. There are great opportunities, great things happening, and Baruch uh, Hashem, we saw the rest of uh, of the person responsible for it, so there wasn't some sort of a massive plot, and as I said many times on this show, it doesn't take much to, to get a list of phone numbers, and we saw that that uh, was, well, uh, yeah. Let, let, let's start with that. Uh, I mean, th- this dual, this young dual citizen is responsible for the uh, the JCC bomb threats and you know threatening uh, different Jewish institutions in the U.S. Uh, doing it from thousands of miles away. I mean, I don't know. G- give me your overall impression of you know somebody like that being able to you know to to work under the uh, under the nose of the FBI and other invest- investigative uh, agencies and pull all this off. But it's 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 very simple. First of all, I think that the guy probably, and there are all sorts of reports of his medical condition, of other problems that he had. But to get a list of phone numbers and to get the technology today, he had a very elaborate setup where he was not calling directly, so it was very hard to trace the calls. But they reversed the technology, essentially, and use the same methods to, to get back to him. Uh, and uh, as I said uh, many times, that I'm much more concerned about the anti-Semitism on campus than these calls. But the danger of the calls is that they, they caused permanent damage where people did not register their children for the next year in, right. in JCCs. They didn't attend events, that it's disruptive of Jewish life. Those are very serious, uh, uh, in, in a very serious impact, and it's frankly anti-Semitic if, in, in its effect, even if it's carried out by somebody who was an Israeli American, etc. But it's clearly a troubled uh, young man. His father was arrested as well. I'm not quite sure why he lived at home. So maybe they just were as an accessory to the crime. I don't think that he was responsible, or uh, that they allege that he was. Uh, now, now, this, yeah. yeah, now I don't know if this happened while I was away and I wasn't paying attention or it just happened at some point I didn't see it. I mean, did the President of the United States ever actually suggest that it might be a member of the Jewish community doing this? He said something at the beginning um, that it was false flag, I think was the term that he used. Uh, I don't think he meant that it was uh, somebody in the Jewish community doing it as much as he, he felt that it was not, uh, that it might have been a hoax or it might have been... Um, uh, perpetrated by somebody who didn't intend to carry out the act. That, that's what I believe he, his right. intention was in, in that. And I, and, but he did afterwards, as you know, come out very strongly during his speech to Congress. It was the opening uh, statement. And, and the danger of this now is that people will, will start to dismiss uh, the seriousness of anti-Semitism today. If we remember the the rise in anti-Semitic incidents w- w- long preceded this series of calls, and that the physical attacks and, and other assaults, the cemeteries, the other things continue. The uh, And I'm concerned on two levels. One, that the general populace dismisses anti-Semitism, sees it's a hoax, and you know all of the actions, all of the legislative initiatives, other things will, will stop. And second, that in the Jewish community, the priority being given to security will diminish as well, and that they go back to business as usual. That is a mistake. We still face serious issues. It's still serious matter security has to be given a greater priority. It has not been the case in the Jewish community generally, and for financial reasons primarily. 
And I think that now we can't afford to let this, the, the, the findings in this case, uh, diminish that commitment. Will he be extradited to the U.S.? It's a good question. I don't know. I think it'll depend on his mental health and physical health or whatever, whatever his condition is and whether the United States uh, will, will insist on it. Right. We'll have to see. Whether authorities think feel- if there's a legitimate reason, they will. They will but right. If authorities feel it's worthwhile, then they'll likely... Well, like- it depends on the nature of the crime also. Right. You, you can't just extradite on, on anything, Israel, that we have an extradition uh, treaty, but I think it's for much more serious crimes. What do we know about the London terrorists from this week? It's, again, a homegrown uh, incident. It is not a lone wolf. He had contacts. This is a guy who was under surveillance before. He was uh, known to, to Scotland Yard, they uh, said, but the lack of resources, they could not uh, pursue him further, that he, he had been watched. If you notice the, the methodology, again, the knife attack, so people will understand the seriousness of why Israel deals with the, what they call the knife intifada or knife of fada uh, so seriously, that the, the, the death of that um, policeman. Yeah. And maybe they're going to have to look at whether it, strategic places they have to arm them he was not armed and even though he was part of the security detail at the parliament it is um we see the incitement in great britain and this is something that had been warned about for a long time i discussed with you um weeks ago there were warning from the head of the police and others that the isis will attack and essentially they they, they were just issuing a warning because there wasn't much they could do uh, to to prevent when when you have so many people returning from Syria, you have so many others who are sympathizers, and can be recruited online without having have gone to Syria. So this is something uh, a concern that the law enforcement in England uh, had been warning about and was wary of, and it came to fruition in this case. Ah, uh, yes, David Friedman has been uh, uh, has been confirmed by the Senate U.S. ambassador to Israel. Uh, there are those uh, in our community who are concerned, upset, surprised, maybe some are not surprised that Senator Schumer uh, voted against his uh, confirmation. I mean, this was really, I, I, I would think if we're going to be logical uh, in our analysis, this is really essentially split along party lines with very rare exception, right? Right. Senator Menendez uh, right. and... Um and one other was were the only two Democrats who who voted uh, for him, and that's part of the part of the problem is that today the partisanship is so deep um, that um, it's manifest in, in virtually every vote. We're seeing in the debate about the Supreme Court. We're seeing it in in the debate about healthcare, and and rather than trying to come together and develop something that both can be can be acceptable to all sides, they are digging in, and and the division seems to be getting worse, not better. And and I'm afraid, you know, that they're not focused now on 2020. They're focused on 2018. Uh, to and and my concern is that the partisanship will continue because they're going to wrestle for control. Uh, uh, there are so many Democratic senators up, I think, 23 in 2018, that they have very high stakes in, in this. There are issues over which there can be very legitimate differences, but it seems that the, the partisanship all, all around is, is just increased. By the way, I, I just wanted to say something on the other point, that yeah. when you talk about prevention, to see that in, in Israel there was a report this week by the Shabak, the, the Israel Security Agency, that they frustrated 340-some 
major terror attacks, and, and including uh, 184 that involve guns and uh, 16 potential abductions and some suicide attacks and 86 using knives or vehicles during 2016. And uh, they, when you go and look at the arrests and you see how effective when people ask why does something happen, and this is true in other countries as well where, where you don't see the numbers quite so starkly, uh, how what, God forbid, could have happened if Israel didn't have the kind of security uh, situation that it does. Uh, what was disturbing to me was that I think it was almost the, around 30 Arab residents of East Jerusalem were involved in terrorism last year, which was a, a very sharp increase. And meaning among that segment of the population. In, that, in the yeah, Arabs of East Jerusalem, right. Yeah, boy, oh boy, something to consider. Um, I saw those statistics. It was, it's it's pretty remarkable. And again, you know, having been there last week, you one you wonder and you think every time you see what, a, a checkpoint, every time you see soldiers, every time you wonder what they're looking at, what they're looking for, and you admire even more uh, the incredible job that's being done um, by the investigative uh, agencies there. Uh, the um, uh, the and by the way, on the subject of the bipartisanship or or lack of bipartisanship that you just mentioned earlier. Uh, and in addition to that, in addition to the split in the House and Senate that you just alluded to, uh, and and the different uh, areas that you know that that this agreement just continues to you know get 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 hotter and hotter, the White House isn't helping that, right? I mean, we we've seen presidents who've who've reached out and made attempts to you know smooth things over and really bring the two parties together. There's been precedents for that, but in this White House, it doesn't seem there's much interest in that, especially when you look at the way the health care issue is being handled. Well, because the, the the line has been drawn, and uh, I think that the, the, that the statements coming from all sides seem to be uh, more confrontational and and more divisive than accommodating. And the I think it, you know each thing, each action has a reaction, and each attack gets a response, and people get put on the defensive when they come under assault, and that's why I think, you know, some of the issues now that, the, I mean, we're going to see play out the, the accusation about the uh, wiretapping, and, right. you know, everything just contributes right now, and I, I am concerned about how this is going to play out over the next couple of years, and, and, you know, the administration is still in its very early stages. Most of the positions have, still haven't been filled, um, and the, the you know, policy is in, the, in formation. So hopefully, I'm, I'm still hopeful that somehow we can, and the American people just have to demand that we want to see the issues addressed. We have great issues, challenges on the international scene, and, and I saw it this week in China about when you see North Korea up close and the threat that it poses and the, the, the extent to which it has developed its missile capacity and talk of, of even having you know, a nuclear capacity in, in a short period of time. And I need two years and three years and one year different assessments, but the 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 issues that that we face really require and, and dealing with Iran and Iran's increased aggression that that we um, uh, have to address it. You know, we see them well, yeah. moving together on some issues on the UN. I think that there's more of a consensus of demanding the end to the bias on Israel about the Human Rights Council membership about um, confronting the the uh, spate of anti-Israel resolutions in the General Assembly as well, and and even about challenging um, uh, the funding 
to some of these agencies. You know, by the way, that the ESQA, which we discussed, that report by uh, Richard Falk, uh, notoriously anti-Israel, guy who, who worked for the UN and was hired by this Economic and Social uh, Council for Western Asia, which is made up, of, I think, of 22 Arab countries. You know, they found that the budget of this agency funded by the U.N., is $70 million. They have 400 people sitting in a building in Beirut. No one ever heard of it. Nobody knows what it does. And there are these for each of the regional groupings. And the U.S. is paying 22% of the budget for this body that that put out the report, you know, accusing Israel of apartheid. And now I learned that there's a second report about to come out which studies and tries to use, quote, scientific and innovative uh, methods to to uh, develop a report about what the cost of Israel's 50-year occupation has been. This is something, it's absolutely impossible, it's ridiculous, it's a total waste of, of, of money, and we're paying 22% of it. And the, the three Palestinian commissions that are just propaganda machines for them, the, the, I mean, just so much on, on this uh, front in, in the, uh, and, and part of the house cleaning has to start at the State Department that put out a human rights report, which has 141 pages devoted to Israel and terrorism. And when you take a, 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 and the territories, right. and when you take away the territories, just Israel alone is 69 pages. Iran is 48. Syria is 58. <laughs> One of the char- charges, and this is really serious, is that people, that the dust of nearby construction is affecting people. It's unbelievable. And th- this is our own State Department. Unbelievable. Well, maybe with the brand new uh, atmosphere that the United States is uh, trying to set in the U.N., maybe there'll be some progress on this issue. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and, of course, on our beloved NSN app. Did the United States demand the construction freeze, yes or no, in the settlements? Uh, I wasn't there, but I, he certainly, in his public statements, talked about containing and controlling them. Um, uh, when Mr. Greenblatt was in uh, in Israel, his statements uh, that were reported indicated that he... Um, did express um, that view that that uh, I don't know if he said it's halted or or it, that settlement construction should be restrained. I think was the word. I mean, I mo- a lot of people in our community who voted for the current administration uh, were counting on the fact that they would they would be sympathetic when it came to construction and would never even allude to any type of uh, settlement construction freeze. Right, people were, were surprised. I think in Israel as well, but. Um, Essentially, uh, that that trip was a, a listening trip, and he's obviously somebody who is well known, and his positions have been well known to sympathies. So we have to find out what really took place. But essentially, I think it was really to hear the different points of view. He heard from Mr. Abbas, just as he did from the Prime Minister, and, and visited the set uh, group with a group of settler leaders, which is is not was not done before to give them a chance to be heard, and. Um, some of them came out and expressed, uh, you know, positive statements, even though uh, concern about that issue. All right, as we discussed last week, one of the big issues is, of course, Russia's role in Syria and that entire region. Uh, we know now about the uh, convoy that was heading from uh, Iran to Lebanon that Israel took out. Uh, it, it seems that the Russian administration was not very happy uh, with Israel acting, what seemed to be, at least from their point of view, in a unilateral uh, way. Uh, without consultation, without coordination of Russia, is this an accurate description of how it went down? 
Uh, it seems that way, at least that the Israeli ambassador was was summoned in right. Moscow, and there were numerous exchanges. There is some sort of an understanding between Israel and Russia about Israel's operations in in uh, in Syria. This was uh, the third, I think, attack uh, of its kind in, in a short period of time, and that the uh, Syrians, in this instance, fired a ballistic missile uh, at Israel, at the planes. It's a long-range missile, and it was fired too late, really, to hit the airplanes. Uh, and Israel activated the Arrow missile defense. They, you know, they have one minute to decide. And and the reason that they did it was not because of the danger to to the um, to airplanes, uh, to the Israeli planes who had already long returned to Israel, but because this was a carried a 200 kilogram warhead, which is very large, and it was likely to hit in the Jordan Valley. So it was meant to prevent the loss of life on the ground in Israel. The Arrow missile, which is meant to hit high-altitude missiles from launch, uh, it obviously has been improved that it can be used for a much shorter-range uh, missile like this one. And, um, uh, and it was very accurate in hitting uh, the missile, which was a, a great success and a great relief. But... It was a, certainly an escalation on the part of Syria in terms of responding. Israel right. is not going to allow the transfer of of uh, the uh, of weapons, and we see more and more that Iran is is providing these weapons. They're finding more ways to to get them in. As Israel said, it's a violation of UN resolutions. Several of them. The Secretary General of the United Nations alluded to it. Right, but the focus of my question. I mean, obviously, uh, <laughs> I have no problem with Israel's reaction, but it, but it seems we're getting to a point now, and we alluded to this last week as well, that Israel's not going to be able to act in that region without Russian either permission or cooperation, or at least you know some knowledge of what they're doing. Uh, it, it seems to be a dangerous precedent for a country that needs to continue its independence when it comes to fighting the enemy. It's true, and we, we did discuss this already, but the, the, the other party that they have to, you have to be very concerned about is not just Russia, but Russia's involvement. And now they, as I mentioned, building the permanent bases in Latakia and, and an Air Force base um, in Tartus and Latakia, an Air Force and Naval base. Iran is now building a permanent base there, and they took a 50-year lease with uh, a provision where no Syrians have access to the base, only Iranians. And we don't know what systems they will deploy, but we know that they are importing uh, more and more weapons, more and more people, the population replacement, the development of what we long talk about, what the King of uh, King Abdullah called the Shiite Crescent, which goes now from, from Iran through Iraq to Syria to Lebanon. They, they are, in fact, developing uh, a trans-Iraq highway from Iran to Syria. They have re- replaced the population with with uh, Sunni population with Shiites from Iraq and from Lebanon and elsewhere. The the um, uh, they, they are they bought, for instance, the rights to all the, to the cellular company in, in Iraq. It's a company owned by the Supreme Leader and the Iran Revolutionary Guard, and they also have bought it in in Iraq and in Syria. So. You, you see what their goal is to control means communication, control critical facilities. And this is uh, a warning that was expressed for a long time and people didn't take it seriously. And now we face a new reality that the the uh, Iran that has 8,000 Hezbollah in, in Syria and 
2,000 of its own troops and uh, about 5,000 uh, or 8,000, 7,000 of the Shiite militias. So it's not just Russia that we have to be concerned about. Russia is... is um, has the S three hundred system there? Yeah, I, I understand that, but but and of course, Iran is the is the main enemy to be worried about. But if now Russia is going to have their back by calling in Israeli ambassadors every time Israel takes an action against Iran, a legitimate action against Iran, then that alliance, that Russian Iran alliance, is going to get more dangerous for Israel. Yeah, I don't know if we could call it an alliance. Is perhaps a coincidence of interest at this uh, at this moment? I think there. Are potential tensions between them as well? Iran, uh, Russia, which has been accused of also doing a population exchange of a similar nature, though, doesn't want to see Iran completely take over. Uh, Russia's interest is creating creating its footprint. It doesn't want a confrontation with Israel, uh, but it wants to assert its uh, its legitimacy in Syria by calling in the ambassador. Right. And we don't, we just don't, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what the internal discussions are between the Russians and Israel. I haven't heard of complaints by Israeli officials uh, about it. So we have to find out much more about what what we see and what really is happening. Um, you were in, as you alluded to, you were in China right after the the prime minister was in China. We always talk about good news, positive things that are going on. Uh, I, 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 it looks like again, the uh, prime minister represented Israel very, very well uh, outside of Israel. Um, uh, brought along business leaders on the trip. Actually signed deals. Is that accurate? There was actually real business exchange going on during this journey. Well, actually, I was there at the same. We overlapped, uh, but he was in Beijing, and I was in Hangzhou and Hong Kong and Shanghai. Uh, but he uh, he actually invited me to come and and be with him. Uh, but there are there were logistical problems with doing it. The, the first of all, the the attitude of the Chinese towards Jews and towards Israel is quite remarkable. It's, traditional. Uh, they see themselves as the Jews of, of Asia. They completely identify in terms of family values, education, and many other norms that they see and, and have great respect for Israel, even though their policy is, is one of more neutrality and they uh, said they want a resolution of the Palestinian problem by the in, in accordance with international standards and UN resolutions, the Prime Minister had very good meetings with the, the President and with others, other leaders in, in China. I, I will tell you, with my meetings with high-level people were equally uh, quite remarkable, and wearing a yarmulke in many places did not you know, evoke any response except uh, of respect for Jews. Uh, that is not. I don't want to paint an overly rosy picture, but uh, I think it's a very positive one. And they're looking for opportunities for commerce. There are delegations every week in Israel from China, and they're they're looking to also to develop ties with American Jews, world Jewry, to to work on a cultural, political, and economic levels. It's uh, were there it's were, were were there business leaders and business deals going on? Absolutely, the prime minister brought. Uh, delegation of businessmen, and and I know that out of it came some discussions. But frankly, I saw it just in my own visit the the potential for and people talking to me about their contacts with Israeli business leaders, asking me for contacts to certain in certain areas uh, to to get to to match up with Israeli entrepreneurs and and an interest in in working uh, with them in America with American uh, Jewish, and they have. 
you know, great respect for for uh, American Jews. It's it's something that they want to echo. Uh, uh, I mean, for Israel, and um, you know that they need for jobs. They need to develop. It's a, it's a tremendous population, and there's much more happening. I think than most people realize. Uh, and other areas of the Far East is similar reaction, right? If you'd go to uh, if you go to Korea or South Korea, if you'd go to uh, Japan, you'd see a similar reaction to Israel, correct? Uh, uh, yes, actually, I, I just got a contact from Japan where they're talking, asking to do a similar visit, and there are. And I've been there before. As I was in China before, but not for many years. And I think what I saw now was was different than what I saw in the past. And the, you know, that many universities have Jewish studies. The department, a friend of mine, told me he was invited to speak, and they told him to speak in Hebrew to a totally Chinese class, and they spoke perfect Hebrew to him. <laughs> and he was taken aback because all of a sudden he had to muster his Hebrew in order to address them. Pretty amazing. Um, the president of Israel, and I know it's not as significant as when the prime minister does it, he traveled to Vietnam this week. S- yes, and, and they signed understandings, and they, it, but it, it, it's a part of uh, what you were alluding to, and that is, and I said that there's, there's a lot of good news, I hope to share it with the people in the Mission Hills at the party's program, that, that you know, while we focus and we address and have to address, and it's a must, the challenges that we face, we also have to, to to look at the opportunities that exist, and some of them are, are really quite unique. Uh, that Israel, Israeli leaders, the Prime Minister, the President, others are invited, and many of the visits don't get even reported when they're ministers, but they're going to to countries all over, including to Muslim countries. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, back to the bipartisan uh, um, attitude that we're hoping for in the U.S. Uh, uh, Congress. Uh, will, th- will there be a bill um, against Israeli boycotts? Um, and is there a status report you can give us in terms of the Iran sanctions and the, and the action in Congress that's uh, going on vis-a-vis those? Right. Well, there are many, many bills now uh, being considered, some dealing with uh, Iran sanctions, some dealing with the U.N., um, there is the BDS legislation on the anti-Semitism and resolutions and bills uh, that hopefully will, will get considered. Uh, obviously, right now, the priority is focused on the health care, and, uh, and then they're taking up, uh, I forgot which issue, right afterwards that the president already announced, oh, tax reform. Uh, but at the same time, there is a lot of movement, and with the APAC conference coming up, they, they try always to, to try and move it, and then people there go and lobby for it. So I think we're going to see a focus uh, on some of the uh, increased sanctions against uh, Iran, uh, maybe uh, uh, other sanction uh, legislation, and especially focus now on, on the United Nations. Arab League Summit. Um, there'll be some type of peace proposal that the Arab League is going to be proposing for the PA in Israel? I don't know that there'll be a new proposal. List. They still they will probably reiterate support for the Saudi initiative, the Saudi plan, or the Arab Peace Initiative, as it was called, uh, reaffirming it. But uh, I think we'll hear a lot of criticism of Israel still emerging from there. Um, the... the 
Arab League meeting is uh, is, is a routine meeting. It's not a, a special meeting. Uh, there was a meeting in Turkey this week of, of thousands of Palestinians from their, quote, diaspora, where they talk about taking back and, and the right of return of millions uh, to Israel and, and, you know, asserting many of the old traditional positions that little uh, has changed. So I don't know what we'll see come out of the Arab League uh, things. I don't think it will be... Uh, of anything in particular. I think most of the, their focus will be on dealing with the new administration, trying to understand it and how they will deal with it. Uh, and, you know, this week uh, was International Water Day. We uh, we mentioned it and we spoke with somebody from JNF about the uh, incredible developments that are going on both in Israel and for countries around the world. Uh, you know, it's it, it just seems like it, it's the most basic and most important element, obviously, water. Uh, it is It's the key to everything. And the the Prime Minister of Israel, and I've cited this many times since it happened, you know what happened at the UN when he essentially said to everybody, you're going to need us, you're going to need our technology, you're going to eventually, you know, you're eventually going to turn to us, you may as well, you may as well hop aboard at this point. And it seems like this is one of the key issues, and it, it looks like there are countries in Africa and other areas of the world that would benefit greatly if they would just open up dialogue with Israel. Now, I know more and more are doing it, but but, but there are some that are still under pressure not to, correct? Of course, but uh, you see in Africa where they uh, are now turning more and more towards towards Israel, looking for opportunities. There's, again, much more going on than is public and, and agritech in water reclamation. Israel is clearly the world leader, and the fact that Israel's water is self-sufficient. I heard it in, in China that they are working uh, with Israel, and they want Israeli technologies, and they often go in and buy the companies in order to get it. Uh, I, I would hope that uh, even if they invest in the companies or buy them, but they leave the R&D and the jobs in Israel as mu- and can do the manufacturing and things where, where it's most uh, pragmatic, but I don't want to see the job drained from Israel, and the, nor certainly not the brain drain. The, the water reclamation and the ability to desalinate and to to provide for the people of Israel water is uh, you know it's a tremendous story um, that uh, has been written about and there's that remarkable book about it telling the uh, the story by Mr. Siegel and the, and I think you know it's one of the many stories of what Israel is providing the world and can offer the world. You know, water is the source of life, in, in especially in, in the drought-stricken areas, which often are increasing uh, in the world. So this technology is, is vital. It's unbelievable. And, you know, I, sometimes, you know, when you live through it, I know I've pointed this out before, when you live through it, you don't even realize the miraculous times you're living through. Do you, do you sometimes just stop and say to yourself, look what was going on just a few decades ago we talked about the 50th anniversary of Yerushalayim just look at what's happened just in those I, mean, I want to even go back to the beginning of the state and bore the young people with the with the speech about what life was like you know before there was a state of Israel but just if you think of the last 50 years and the development and what's been happening and how Israel is changing the rest of the world it is it, we're living through miraculous times that's sometimes hard for us to see as you're living through it if you would have thought back 10 years ago right. not 50 years ago 10 years ago you would not have been able to envisage all, all that is happening, and, and it is so much how Israelis, anywhere you go in the world today, in places that you would never expect it and where they often go clandestinely, but everybody's reaching out to them and to, to 
partner with them. At the same time, the political realities interfere, which is why we hope there'll be progress and we get past, uh, you know, get to some resolution that enables this thing to really flourish. The, the potential is just um, is limitless. I uh, alluded to, or I said directly, how well he does outside of Israel, the Prime Minister. It, in Israel, as you just alluded to, uh, he, he actually threatened to call for new elections this week, which, you know, I think everybody has to, at this point, consider outrageous. Uh, you know, as close as it, as it well, is. No, this is it's a political game. He said it before, you know, and the the opposition threatens to, you know, and, and then everybody becomes more sober when they think about what the consequences of an election, what it will change, what whether the people of Israel really want to go through this gut wrenching process that the elections are. Um, you know, he he. It, it is the nature of a coalition system. It puts a prime minister or leader at a, at a distinct disadvantage. But we've seen that even in a two-party system, those kind of uh, paralyzing things can take place. The politics uh, dominate. So, you know, democracy, it's true, is is uh, not a great system, but compared to all others, it's the best. Yeah, so and, the, you know, that in Israel is certainly a vibrant democracy, maybe too vibrant too often. Yeah, uh, certainly very exciting. Um, information about the uh, 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem in the week that uh, will be a very celebratory week coming up May 22nd. You go to Mizrahi.org slash YY50. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I thank you for joining us, and uh, we look forward to speaking again next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. God willing, have a good Shabbos and there, a good Yes, and a good Chodesh as well. Malcolm Honline on a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. This time each and every Friday, every era of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. <clears throat> Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of, wow, finishing Sefer Shmos. Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazek. And taking out a second Sefer Torah from which we read from chapter 12 in the book of Shmos, beginning with Hachodesh Hazel Lochem, the mitzvah of consecrating Rosh Chodesh, the new um, month, based upon the lunar calendar. Our calendar is both lunar and solar, in the sense that we're reminded Pesach must be in the springtime, and for that reason, 7 out of 19 years are a leap year, so that Pesach will always fall um, in the springtime, we read the first 20 psukim from the second Sefer from chapter 12, the laws of the Korban Pesach and laws of Pesach, preparing us for the Pesach and pining, reminding us of what we're missing regarding the Korban Pesach. In Pasha's Vayakil and Pekudei, according to the Chinuch, there is but one mitzvah, and that is found at the beginning of Pasha's Vayakil, where the Torah says, in the third Pasuk, Lo Sevaru Eish, Shabbos, you're not to light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Shabbos, understood by our rabbis to mean that there's not to be the capital punishment of 
Bezdin of the court on Shabbos, and our rabbis understand it on a much uh, other level that not only, interestingly, against the Karaites who said Shabbos is to be observed in darkness and cold food, we say no, you should have hot food on Shabbos as long as the fire has been, uh, the food has been cooked from before Shabbos, or as we know the practice of Cholt, the fire and the food is cooking from before Shabbos. Our rabbis say in addition that the, come on, the individual as well should not bring himself to quote fire or anger on Shabbos. Especially be careful to make sure that there is Shalom bias on Shabbos. I'd like to point out and share with you a very interesting um, point based upon the pronunciation of the second Pasuk in this week's Parsha. Speaking about the observance of Shabbos, the Torah says, Sheshes Yomim, six days, Teyoseh Melacha, work is to be done, Ubayom Hashvi'i, Yelochem Kodesh, and on the seventh day it shall be for you holy, Shabbos Shabboson Lashem, it shall be a, a day of complete rest for Hashem. Interestingly, the word is spelled Tof Ayin Sin Hey, which certainly could have been vocalized Ta'aseh in the active form. Ta'aseh, you shall do work. However, that is not the way the Messorah is. In every Jewish synagogue throughout the world, it is going to be read not ta'aseh, but te'oseh, which is the passive action form. It is to be done. What might be the significant lesson to be derived between the active form or the passive form? Says the Sefer Darche Musar by Rav Yaakov Naiman Zatzal, a very interesting idea. Ta'aseh means you the individual are the one who is doing it. Teoseh means that it is being done. And we understand it's being done with the help of another, capital A, namely with Hashem's help. Therefore, it is so much easier for the Jew to follow this law and to desist from working on the Shabbos, because after all, who is providing his sustenance all week long anyway? It's not him, it's not Ta'aseh, it's Teoseh, it shall be done. It's being done with capital H, his help, and as I'll point out in a moment, God gives us incredible dignity in the process. The late Lubavitcher Rebbe, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, asked a very basic question. The beginning of every single Shmona Esrei 
in the bracha of Avos, every single Shmona Esrei begins Gomeil Chasodim Tovim. We acknowledge that God is the one who literally bestows beneficial kindnesses. Now, a chesed is a kindness. Gomel, he causes. He causes kindnesses. Why must the word tovim, good kindnesses, who needs the adjective good, when after all is not, by definition, every chesed tov? And the Rebbe answers so beautifully as follows. The fact that God gives each and every one of us our parnasa, our sustenance, that which we need, that's a chesed. But he can give it to us in a way that we wouldn't necessarily have our dignity. He would support us, but he would give it to us directly. What does God do? God allows each and every one of us to be themselves, be a craftsman, be a professional. Each person earns their living by their contributing to society. So in the process, they have dignity. They feel they're important. They are contributing. But in reality, and they feel, wait a second, I am making a living. In reality, it is all coming from him. And therefore, once it is all coming from him, it is teoseh. And the first thing is, it's much easier for us to understand the concept of Shabbos because, after all, he's the one that's providing He's the one that can tell us certainly to stop working. One. Number two, the Gemara says in Subos, Samuch Ches Amad Aleph, 68a. What does the Gemara say? Kohamalim Einav Minhatstaka, whoever looks away, withholds his eyes from charity, it's as if they are literally believing in another God, worshipping idolatry. How do you connect the two? Because he's not generous, that's something's wrong with his theology? And the answer is yes, based upon the above. Why might a person not give charity? Because after all, it's my money. I worked for it. It's mine. Let that person, instead of collecting, let that person work, or whatever his circumstances are. This is mine. But if a person realizes that that which you have is yours because God gave it to you, because it's teoseh, because it shall be done, the work during the six days with his capital H help, then it's not only that much easier to give, because you're really giving that which belongs to him. If you believe that it's yours, because you're the one that earned it, that's akin to avodah to idolatry, because there's another power aside from him, namely you. And that way we can understand very possibly the verse in Tehillim, paragraph 81, which happens to be the Shir Shel Yom, which we said yesterday for Thursday, in verse 10, in chapter 81, what does David HaMelech teach? 
David says, Lo el zar. Now, literally, it means you shall not believe in any other God other than Hashem. But you could understand it to mean lo There shouldn't be in you, namely, there shouldn't be a flaw in your character that you're going to be so arrogant to think that you're the one that is the provider. Now, number three, one of the hardest mitzvot in the Torah, because a mensch is nor a mensch, a person is only a person. Mitzvah 241 and 242, as found in Parshas Kedoshim, lo sikom v'lo sitor, not to bear a grudge and not to take revenge. My goodness, come on, how is it possible for a person not to? Very simply, I go to somebody and I say, please lend me something. And they say no to me. So the next week, when they come to me and said, can I borrow, I say, no, you didn't lend me, I'm not lending you. And that's human nature. And the Torah says, don't. Or, you're not even allowed to say, I'm not like you, you didn't, and I'm going to lend. How can the Torah ask us to go against basic human nature? And the answer is, says the Chinuch, if you recognize that if you get something or not get something, if somebody bothers you or not, true, they did something wrong, and they'll have to answer their accountability. But ultimately, God is the one, Teoseh, who's directing the show. And if he's directing the show, then you can't be angry at the next one. One, it is he who didn't want you to have it. And finally, something very interesting. The Chazon Ish, Zatzal, in his Sefer, Emuna Ubitachon, actually tells of a case. The, st- the street in Bnei Brak was Rechol Ben Petachia. And Bnei Brak, in the days of the Chazon Ish, was a small city, not like it is today. And a man had a printing shop. And guess what? Down the block, another Jew opened up a printing shop. And the first one, who was there first, goes into him. Shalom Aleichem. What can I do for you? And let me help you. Let me give you advice. What to do and what not to do. So the second one on the block couldn't believe it. Not only is he not yelling at me, but he's helping me. And listen to the beautiful words of the Chazonish. Look how much sanctity was brought into the world. To see. Someone who's doing a kindness. To the one who's becoming his competition. And he's only adding praise to man. Fortunate is that individual. Fortunate is his generation. What makes a Jew tick? How can a Jew act this way? Unbelievable. Shom Aleichem and welcome to the block when he's your competition. If you recognize that it all comes from on high. And you're going to get the Parnassa that's coming to you one way or another as we read and learn on Rosh Hashanah. If that's the case, if it's Teoseh, you can truly be that ideal Jew of welcoming the competition because you recognize it's all Teoseh. What a Shabbat Chazak. What strength to us and strength 
to the beautiful character of the Jew. Shabbat Shalom to all. Gershon Verobo, of course, on the Israel. 20 minutes before the hour. Good morning. It's Friday. J.M. and the A.M. on this era of Shabbos. Parshas Vayakel and Pekude. Shabbos Chazak. 
Uh, it's also Parshas Achodesh. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Nisan will be on Tuesday. Candle lighting 6.53. Israel now on daylight savings time, a seven-hour difference. Don't forget the young Israel of Teenex got their big Shabbat Chazanut, the uh, Joseph Dresner Shabbat Chazanut, dedicated by the Pultman family. That's with uh, Cantor Natanel Hirschdick and his choir happening at the young Israel of Teenex this Shabbat. Don't forget Sunday, Manashevitz presents coverage of the Yeshiva League Basketball Championships on our website. That's right, NachumSingle.com. You go to the homepage, and you'll be able to view the uh, amazing and incredible finals in both Junior Varsity and Varsity for the Yeshiva League. Um, the whole thing you can catch at NachumSingle.com. All you got to do is uh, go to the website, literally, on Sunday afternoon, and, uh, and there it is. So get ready for that. And thank you to our friends at Manischewitz. Um, a, lot, a whole lineup, a whole incredible lineup of great programming all through the day here at NalcolmSiegel.com on the NSN network. Um, we've got uh, Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 o'clock, the Aussie Gourmet. She hosts Table for Two, and she'll speak with Schiffer Klein, editor of Joy of Kosher Magazine, and Ari White of Wandering Q. That's at 9 o'clock right after JM in the AM. Erev Shabbos Music Mix with a live lunch by Mark Zamek at 12 noon will be brought to you by our wonderful friends at Kedem and will go all the way until candle lighting time. How do you like that? Until 6.53. So enjoy that. Um, coming up uh, tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami. Coming up on Sunday, JM Sunday with uh, with Matis. He'll feature Naomi Nachman this coming Sunday with her brand new cookbook on a Sunday's edition. This coming Sunday's edition of JM Sunday, and Monday we are back here at JM in the AM starting at six AM Eastern time with a bonus JM before that, most likely. So make sure to be tuned in and uh, and follow us no matter where you are around the world. I want to thank those who've been commenting on our app, the NSN app for Android and iPhone. Always an amazing way to be in communication with us. Plenty more coming up. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is JM in the AM of Eighth Day. Change his name, but I can hear his sound. Knock, knock.
Ari Goldwag. Menucha v'simcha. Eighth day before that, Moses and me is the name of that one off of Slow Down. My thanks to Shmuel Marcus of Eighth Day for being here yesterday. If you missed it, there's a Facebook Live video. Check it out at Nahum Siegel Network on Facebook. And um, there's an archive and probably a hundred other methods where you can find the interview these days. Shame the Friday on this uh, Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Vayakel, and Pekude. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh will be on Tuesday. Big weekend for us here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Don't forget, you can check out and enjoy the uh, var- the Junior Varsity and Varsity uh, Yeshiva League Basketball Championships, courtesy of our friends at Manischewitz. Uh, that's happening uh, Sunday. Coverage starts about 1.30 p.m. And Eastern Time. And uh, tune in from around the world and just enjoy the games. Um, Manischewitz presents our broadcast. Elliot Weiselberg and our staff will be will be doing the games, and um, it'll be very exciting. That I can tell you. And there's only one place you can watch it. That's on the homepage of NachumSiegel.com. Nowhere else. How do you like that? Uh, tomorrow night is my father's ninth yard site. And uh wanted to dedicate the words of Torah that Rabbi Yudin mentioned earlier in memory of Harav Zev Ben Harav Yosef Halevi. Nine years, and for those of you who remember the circumstances of his passing, um, which many of you do, and many of you have expressed that to me today, um, it is, it's hard to believe it's nine years. It is hard to believe. Anyway, the 28th of Adar Aleph this year, the 28th of Adar, uh, tomorrow night and Sunday, uh, my father's yard site. JM and the AM as we get set to close things out on a uh, era of Shabbos. Don't forget, Naomi Nachman is coming up next. Great edition of Table for Two. Kedem presentation of the era of Shabbos music mix will go all through the day until candle lighting time. So make sure to keep it right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. That'll include a live lunch with Mark Zomig at 12 noon Eastern time. It is time to say good Shabbos with journeys at JM and the AM. The sun is going. Shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good job Done. Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign Your candles will be burning Songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Go on home and find a gift That's waiting there for you Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos
Sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on our beloved NSN app. And that closes out another amazing week for us here at JM in the AM. Don't forget, Manischewitz presents our coverage of the Shiva League Basketball Championships, JV and Varsity, uh, this coming Sunday afternoon. You can watch all of it at NachumSiegel.com on our homepage. Um, what else do I want to tell you? Naomi Nachman is next, table for two. Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix goes all day long, all the way until candle lighting time, believe it or not. Oh, yes. Um, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night, featuring Rabbi Zwickler. Sunday, it's Matis and JM Sunday with Naomi Nachman, his guest. Uh, that'll be between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern time Sunday morning. We're back here. On Monday. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful uh, weekend until uh, Monday morning. Nahum Sigur reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.